The law of manifestation is simple. You don't get what you want. You get what you consent to be true. Welcome to the Manifestation Matters podcast, dedicated to exploring the divine creative power that lives inside us all and how you can use the spiritual science of manifestation to create the life of health, happiness, love, and abundance you deserve. I'm your host, Eric Wall-Robinstein, and I'm glad you're here. You don't get what you want. You get what you consent to be true. Understanding these words is absolutely, well, fundamental to making the laws of manifestation work for you. And the unfortunate fact is, because many of us aren't really clear on this, too many of us are busy making the laws of manifestation work against us, manifesting what we don't want. And I can tell you, I know that from personal experience. I spent years, in fact, manifesting a life experience that was the polar opposite of what I desired. But I'm hopeful today in this episode, we can clear things up so you don't make the same mistakes I did. Now, when I say the laws of manifestation, that's laws plural, I'm referring to several laws that govern the way our reality comes into being. The principle of wave-particle duality from quantum physics, Hebbian theory from neuroscience, the law of karma from Eastern philosophy, and I could go on. But arguably, the most fundamental of all of these and the most important for our purposes is the law of Assumption. You may remember in our last episode, episode two, in case you want to go back and give it a listen, we spoke about the need to forget who we are. Or we could say it more accurately to forget who we think we are which for nearly all of us, as we discussed, is a gross misconception, a case of mistaken identity. And we can get into the nuances of that at another time. But the reason that this is so critical is that it's only when we're able to forget who we think we are, and I'm talking about the human personality you take yourself to be with its gender and its age and its abilities and its limitations. When we can leave that aside, even for just a bit, we're opening the door to connecting with who we really are. And of course, it's here that I'm talking about consciousness or the sense of I am, that I am that is free of limitations, and in fact, that is the divine creative force 
that is behind all that is created. When we think of consciousness, we want to recognize the fact that there are really two separate aspects of this creative force. There's the conscious aspect, and then there is the subconscious aspect. And as you might imagine, each plays a different role in the manifestation process. The conscious aspect of consciousness is the realm of the seen. It's made up of the thoughts and the feelings that are part of your, well, your moment-to-moment experience, like the experience you're having right now. And this aspect of consciousness might be best thought of as the male aspect of the manifestation process. And more on why in just a moment. But before we get to that, let's turn our attention now to the other aspect, the subconscious aspect of consciousness. And in this realm, which is the realm of the unseen, is where lives the most creative aspect of consciousness. The aspect of consciousness that actually gives form and expression to things in the world. So we might think of the subconscious as the womb of creation, which is why we call it the female aspect of the manifestation process. And it's at this point where the male and female metaphor, at least for my money, becomes really helpful. Because while it's true that the subconscious female aspect of consciousness is ultimately the creator of all that is created, in other words, she does all the really heavy lifting, she doesn't create independently. She creates only what she has been impregnated with. As is suggested in the scripture, seeds follow their own kind. And that job, the job of impregnating the female aspect in a blinding flash of the obvious, is the job of the male aspect. So while it is indeed true that the subconscious can manifest anything, from unimaginable abundance to soul-sapping poverty, and from radiant health to debilitating disease. Even though that's true, that manifestation is limited by what the creative subconscious is impregnated with by the conscious. Before we go any further, please understand that this metaphor involving the male and the female aspects of consciousness has absolutely nothing to do with your gender 
or my gender or anyone's pronouns, whatever they may be. And that's because both aspects, the male and the female, are alive and well within all of us. So don't let the metaphor put you off. The reason that I offer it is only because the mechanics of sexual procreation are relatable to us all. And it seems to be able to provide a fairly clear window into the underlying mechanics of manifestation for most people. With that said, and not wanting to turn this into an eighth grade sex education class, we still have to ask the question, how does the male aspect of consciousness impregnate the female aspect of consciousness or the subconscious in a way that directs the shape of the manifestation to come? And quite simply, it is by the male aspect feeding the female aspect with thoughts and feelings. And as a side note, of those two, the feelings are far more important than the thoughts. A fact that features, well, prominently in Neville Goddard's seminal work, The Feeling is the Secret. You see, what we need to realize is that the subconscious, again, that's the female aspect, it does not originate ideas. It is simply not in its nature to do so. Rather, it accepts as true those thoughts and those feelings and those ideas that the conscious or male aspect of consciousness impresses upon it. And this means that the subconscious is not selective. It is impersonal. And as it's said in scripture, it is no respecter of persons. That means that the subconscious is not concerned with what is real or what is true. It's not concerned with who is asking or about your background or your qualifications or your worthiness. And perhaps most importantly for our purposes, it's not concerned with so-called reality or what is in this moment. It always accepts as true that which is impressed upon it, that which the male aspect feels to be true. And what is impressed upon it must be expressed. The process that we're describing here is most often referred to as the law of assumption. Not to be confused with the law of attraction, which admittedly possesses some similar themes, but which also misses the mark fairly significantly on some fronts as well. And perhaps we'll speak to that in another episode. But for now, back to the law of assumption, which states quite simply that which you assume and consent to be true manifests. Or a bit more granularly, that which you, your conscious self, 
assumes and consents to be true is ultimately what is oppressed upon or impregnated into the subconscious. And then, because the very nature of the subconscious is to do so, as the invisible womb of creation, your assumption must be outpictured or manifested. And it is here that I'll offer something of a critical reminder. Because the law of assumption is a natural law, it means that it is always functioning. Just like other natural laws like the law of gravity or the law of thermodynamics, it never shuts off. And that means you're always manifesting, whether you recognize it or not. And that's worth repeating. You're always manifesting, whether you recognize it or not. So long as thoughts and those all-important feelings are being created in your consciousness, they are being impressed into the subconscious. And as such, they must manifest unless their manifestation is interrupted by some other thoughts and feelings. So this is really important because if you have a habit of obsessing about all of the problems and difficulties in your life, you are busy impregnating the subconscious with the blueprint for the creation of more problems and difficulties. Seeds follow their kind. Or if you often find yourself filled with doubt and anxiety, you're impressing the state of doubt and anxiety into the womb of creation. And even if you pray for, I don't know, financial abundance, while you're conscious of your current poverty, you're commanding the subconscious to create that which you are aware of being. Impoverished. So, in fact, it is never really a question of if you're manifesting. Rather, it's always a question of what you're manifesting. And that comes down to the kinds of thoughts and feelings that are living within you. Hopefully, by now it's obvious that if you're truly interested in manifesting what you want in life, there is virtually nothing that is more important than controlling consciousness, or more specifically, controlling the types of thoughts and feelings that the conscious aspect of self impresses into the creative subconscious. And believe me when I say, I understand that that can be a tall order. But here's something that really helped me. And that's remembering that consciousness is really just another name for imagination. And we all have the ability to control imagination. 
I mean, we do it all the time. Right now, you could imagine yourself to be rich and famous, surrounded by adoring fans as you walk the red carpet. Just as easily, you could imagine yourself to be slimmer or healthier, stronger, happier. You could even imagine yourself to be spiritually liberated and free from all suffering, or a million other things for that matter. Right now, all of it available to you in your imagination, no matter what your so-called reality is like. And of course, as you imagine, and the associated thoughts and feelings bubble up into consciousness, they are being impressed upon the subconscious. But here's the unfortunate fact. If you're like most people, much of the time you're using your imagination in a way that, if we're honest, is working against you. I'm talking about things like worrying about your finances or dreading that two-week vacation with your in-laws or regretting that thing you did seven years ago that put you into the bind that you're in today. And yes, I'm aware none of these things may seem like imagination because maybe you really do have financial challenges. Or maybe you really do have to go on a vacation with the in-laws. And yes, it's possible that that thing that you did seven years ago is still dragging you down today. But to that, I'll say this. Look more closely. Right now, when you worry about your finances... Where is that happening? Where is that imagined scenario of what if or if only and all the rest? Are those scenes not taking place in your imagination? And of course, the answer is yes. Your worry is an imaginal act. It's just masquerading as worry. And the same is true with the vacation with the in-laws and the regret and the guilt about your past. All of them expressions of your imagination, giving rise to thoughts and feelings, which are commanding the subconscious to give birth to whatever it is you're envisioning. Which brings us back to the top of the page. You don't get what you want. You get what you consent to be true. We need to remember the subconscious, the creator, is no respecter of persons. It is impersonal, it is non-selective, and it doesn't give a hoot whether what it creates is helpful or unhelpful, good or bad, or based on truth or some irrational fear that you inherited from your drunk great-uncle. It's like a 3D printer, churning out reality precisely in accordance 
with the instructions it is given. And it never turns off. I can tell you, when I saw this years ago, my life finally began to make sense to me. Because for years, I worked harder than anyone around me. I put out better products and better programs. The customer service that my team and I delivered was heads and shoulders above anyone else's. And yet, we struggled. And nothing about it made any kind of sense in a conventional way. And that is until I started looking at things through the lens of the law of assumption. You see, what wasn't evident, at least from the outside, was how right in the middle of all of the hard work and the better programs and the amazing service, just under the surface was a constant mental parade of doubts. Will this ever work? Of fears. Am I even worthy of success? Stories. Maybe it's just not in the cards for me. Every single one, a detailed instruction impressed into the creative subconscious. So as my physical self exhausted itself trying to create something amazing in the world, my mental self was busy doing everything it could to keep it small and marginally successful. And I didn't even realize it. It turns out what all the scriptures say is true. I am, in fact, a powerful creator. It was just that I was unwittingly using my power to create what I didn't want. And this brings us to a really important point. All the physical effort in the world cannot even begin to compete with the creative power of your subconscious. As Neville reminds us in The Art of Prayer, when belief and will are in conflict, belief invariably wins. So what might be our first steps in harnessing the law of assumption? Well, as you might have already guessed, it starts with forging a more deliberate and intentional use of our imagination. Minimizing the kinds of thoughts and feelings that create what we don't want and maximizing the kinds of thoughts and feelings that create what we do want. And to help you get started, the worksheet for this episode will help you to create a greater awareness about your use of imagination so you can get it all on the right track. It's called Imaginal Acts, and it's actually an exercise I created for my students inside the online Bright Life Yoga Collective. You can get your worksheet and exercise free on my Patreon page at www.patreon.com 
manifestation matters. I'll put a direct link in the show notes. So as we close out for today, the invitation becomes this. To become ever more interested in the ways in which you come to use your imagination. To notice how often you may be imagining worrisome outcomes or unwanted scenarios. To notice how easily imagination spins scenes of limitation or lack and to watch as imagination creates whole stories that breathe life into exactly what you don't want to experience. And then do two things. First, ask the question, how is this serving me? I mean, forget manifestation and the law of assumption for a moment. Ask how is this serving your well-being and your happiness now. And then second, look to your lived experience out here in the three-dimensional world and consider, is there an apparent connection between the kinds of scenes imagination creates and the way your life has been unfolding? Be lighthearted and curious as you look, but if you're honest, I think you'll find what I did. That in many ways, you've been powerfully manifesting all along. Well, that's all the time we have for today. And I hope our exploration has opened your eyes to the power that your imagination truly does hold for you and of course the magic they can bring into your life. As always, thanks for listening and a huge, huge thank you to all of my patrons whose support makes this podcast possible. And don't forget to grab your free Imaginal Acts worksheet courtesy of the Bright Life Yoga Collective over on my Patreon page. Because it really is true, it is only by acting upon these teachings that we will be able to invite the manifestation of our deepest desires into our lives. And lastly, a little favor. Anything you can do to help spread the word about the podcast would be, well, appreciated more than you know. Share it with friends, post an honest review, or give it a thumbs up if you're listening over on YouTube. It all helps to spread these powerful teachings and make the world a kinder and happier place. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.